if you are joining us for the first time, so are we. Uh, we've never tried this before. Uh, we're giving it our best go, and I do hope that you uh, yeah, get something of value and some life out of this. I think considering the uh, circumstances over the last couple of months and the last few weeks, and specifically in South Africa just recently, um, it'd be foolish of me not to try and address some of the natural fear and anxiety uh, that's going on really all over the world. Um, I mean, the news reports uh, just keep changing from day to day. And even if you're not especially worried about catching the virus, um, I know that for many people, there's significant implications in terms of their work, their finances, uh, careers. I know people who's, who've had massive job contracts canceled um, and whole industries that are, are being uh, deeply affected. And so uh, it's with sincerity that we want to just try and offer some hope. This past Sunday, we actually spoke about uh, how I believe that Christians ultimately should be able to share hope. We, we have a different hope. Uh, in fact, we have an anchor for our souls. We believe that God goes before us. He comes behind us. And, and I really do think that He invites us into a relationship that offers a peace that goes way beyond uh, understanding. So just a couple of thoughts from me today. Um, one of them is actually quite an interesting idea. I came across a story very recently of... Uh, you know, these, these massive snakes, um, some of you would have seen pictures of them. I wouldn't suggest that you Google it because it's a little bit hectic. Um, but these boa constrictors, um, this is the most polite picture I could find where it's kind of just around a, a very large uh, branch. But uh, for many years, researchers have assumed or scientists have assumed that boa constrictors ultimately kill their prey um, by asphyxiation. So by squeezing their lungs, they can't breathe anymore, and so they'll end up uh, dying. But more recently, they've come to discover that technically speaking, as the boa constrictor actually wraps itself around the body of its prey, it's, it's actually cutting off the blood flow. So it's cutting off the source of life that needs to get to the heart, and I think it's such a powerful picture of what fear does to us. Fear can actually asphyxiate us, and it can actually stop uh, the life, I believe, that, that God offers and the hope that He offers, and it causes us to actually lose perspective. And so I wanna just look at a couple of ways that we can choose to react uh, in the face of opposition, in the face of challenges, and in the face of uncertainty. Uh, I cannot promise you certainty. Nobody knows what's gonna happen a week from now. No one knows what's gonna happen a month from now or a year from now outside of God. But I honestly, to my bones, believe that we can have confidence in spite of confusion. So even when there's uncertainty, even when we don't have clarity, I honestly believe we can have calm, we can have peace in the middle of confusion. And I think that this is what God offers to us. And again, just, just the power of fear. Um, you know, many of us have seen pictures that indicate, uh, you know, to beware of the dog. And a lot of the time it's a, normal, you know, it's a pretty intimidating uh, looking dog on, on the picture. And um, I heard a story the other day of somebody who, who had one of these beware of the dog signs on the outside, but then when the gentleman walked out, it was like a little chihuahua. Now, you might not even see the chihuahua, it's so small, so we've, we've zoomed it in there for you a little bit. Uh, if you go back for a moment, what's interesting is that the guy looks far more intimidating than the dog, but, but anyway, um, it's, it's amazing how sometimes just the uh, indication, the impression, just the sign of... Uh, beware can actually cause us fear when a lot of the time what we are fearing in, in all likelihood, and I don't want to water anything down, 
But again, research and statistics show that the vast majority of things that we fear are never ever going to come to pass. And so the challenge for us as, as individuals, and especially if you're interested in following Jesus, is to discover the choices that we have to make because we're either going to be choosing to feed, uh, to feed fear or we're going to be choosing to feed faith. And whatever we feed grows, whatever we starve dies. So I've got three very quick ideas. The first is simply that fear focuses on what we might lose, whereas faith is open to what we might gain. Fear really tends to focus on, and, and in fact, we actually want to, we want to hold on to, we, again, we actually, we actually uh, begin to, to, to constrict because we're trying to hold on to anything that might get lost. Whereas faith, when we have a relationship with God, uh, we actually believe that, that even though we don't know what we don't know, that it might still be Okay, and one of the great promises in Scripture that is, I think, pretty well known to a lot of followers of Jesus is Romans 8, verse 28, where it says that we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him. He doesn't say that He causes all things to happen, but even the bad things that, that, that He never intended, that He's allowed to happen because there's a certain... Um, uh, there's a certain level of authority that, that he's released into the world. He's, he, he doesn't control every single thing. So he might not cause everything, but he wants to cause everything that does happen to work together for the good of those who love God. And I just think that that's an incredible promise that even though we may not have control over what's happened, over what's going to be happening, uh, there is a confidence that God wants to cause these things to work together for good. And so that's why we have to keep choosing. We have to choose are we gonna feed fear or are we gonna feed faith? Because a lot of the time, some of the greatest innovations, some of the greatest changes, some of the greatest um, moments of maturity actually come through seasons of uncertainty and discomfort and, and, and where we're just being freaked out. In fact, right now, we are being forced to innovate because of a crisis, because of something that's completely out of our control. And I've got to tell you, I'm grateful. I'm actually excited, even though this is all a little bit out of our comfort zone. I'm actually so, uh, I'm so excited that there's someone who knows what's going on and that it doesn't have to be me. And that he wants to cause these things to work together for good. And I honestly do believe that there are people that are going to be helped uh, by many, many churches um, as they go online where people might not feel comfortable to come into a church building, but they're willing to maybe give it a go on a screen. And if that's you today, thank you for trying. Thank you for trusting us. We're so grateful that, that you would even trust us with, with, with a short uh, period of your time. And I'm trusting and praying that God does something to encourage you and to begin to stimulate some life. But I promise you, God doesn't wanna waste pain. God doesn't want to, to waste an opportunity. He wants to bring good out of it. Uh, there's a couple that actually lead an incredible church in Minneapolis. Their names are uh, Peter and, and Carolyn Haas. He was actually with us at a conference um, last year sometime. And uh, so they lead this church called Substance. And she was sharing... He told us the story last year, but then just recently she actually shared online about how um, a little bit over 100 years ago, her, gray, her great-grandparents were actually wanting to immigrate from uh, Europe over to America, and they'd saved up. Uh, they'd managed to actually buy tickets on a, on a cruise liner that was going to take them across the Atlantic uh, to the States. And 
I'm not even sure exactly what happened, how it is that they ran late. Maybe the husband was like me and I kept, you know, he kept his wife waiting. Um, but they actually landed up arriving at the docks literally as the boat was sailing off. I mean, this next picture, you can see that it's kind of just, just apart from the docks. And you can imagine, like you've planned this, you've bought, like I don't think it's similar to online tickets where you get refunded. Um, this was a catastrophe. Again, if, it, if you know me and Sue, this would have been a little bit of a problem. We would have had a conversation, okay? Um, and I, somehow they managed to, to scrounge some money together and, and buy a ticket on the next uh, ship that was heading out. And, and literally on their way over to America, they started finding bodies and rescuing people from the ocean. And it turned out that the ship that they had missed was the Titanic. And what at first looked like a catastrophe and a calamity actually landed up being an incredible blessing. And now four generations later, their great-granddaughter is affecting tens of thousands of lives. You just don't know what's around the corner if you'll choose to feed faith and to starve fear. Instead of letting you know, fear constrict you, uh, why don't you try and do everything you can to actually starve the fear? I've got to say, even just personally, um, I came across an article a little while ago and it challenged me a great deal, so much so that I actually put three words into my diary or into my calendar that would go off as a reminder every day. Um, and so for the last several weeks now, I've had these three words going off at 5 p.m. every afternoon. Just, it just simply says, risk, reinvent, innovate. Risk, reinvent, innovate. I had no idea that we would have to risk, reinvent, and innovate, but, but, I knew, but I just sensed that God was challenging me and, 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 and asking me to stretch and to be willing to get out of my comfort zone. And I've got to tell you, I'm grateful that, that He'd already been preparing me for the unknown and, and for the uncertain. And so I just want to encourage you, you don't know, don't focus on what you don't know, don't allow what you don't know to cause fear. Faith chooses to believe that something good can come out of it. And so my encouragement to you is to actually stop and, and take stock and to try and see what good can come out of it. So I've got three questions for you today, three questions, one based on each point. And the first question is simply, what good can come out of this? What good can come out of the limit that you're facing right now? The challenge, maybe, again, maybe you're dealing with, with a catastrophic crisis at work, financially, you've, you've, you've missed out on deals. And, and to be honest with you, you know that you've reached your limitations. There's just nothing else that you can do right now in the natural. But is there anything else, even if it's not practical? Is there, maybe it's even bringing us to our knees where we are saying, God, I need you. And by the way, help is a full sentence. It's a full prayer. Maybe all you can do, maybe all, the only good that comes out of this is that it's actually encouraging you and inviting you to actually turn to God and to say help. Or maybe you've got more time on your hands. So some of the good that can come out of it is that you get to spend more times in a safe way with friends or, or if you have a family and maybe you're normally at the office until late, but you, you've got a little more time on your hands to spend some time with the family, playing games with the kids, uh, being unrushed. Is there anything good that can come out of the situation. And so even, even when we wrap up just now, I would love for you, if you're, if you're watching with one other person, even if you're not, maybe just grab a piece of paper and just journal, but I'd love for you to try and answer this question. Before you rush off, before you rush off, God, would you help me to see some good that you wanna bring 
out of this in your business, your family, your relationships, your health. Maybe you've got time to go for a gentle walk. You haven't had time to go for exercise for a long time. Or maybe there's just something in your soul where you know, maybe I need to open that Bible again. Or maybe I need to download the free Bible app, version, and just start reading somewhere. What good can come out of this? The second uh, encouragement or idea that I want to share with you is that fear feeds self-centeredness, but faith feeds self-sacrifice. Fear feeds self-centeredness. And it's incredible how fear has a way of hardening our hearts and closing our fists. Generous people are never hard-hearted and they never closed-fisted. People that are generous actually choose to keep softening their hearts and opening their hands. And I honestly believe that especially in a situation and an era like what we're going through right now, we have to choose. The gravitational pull is not towards generosity. The, the gravitational pull, the drift, is, to, is towards us grabbing everything we can off of the uh, shelves in the shop. I mean, it's mayhem. There are pictures from all over the world, including South Africa, of just of empty shelves. And, and we can hoard, we can, we can squander, we can, we can fight and, and, and prioritize self-preservation. But I want to encourage you that that's going to come at a cost. And again, I believe it's going to constrict you. It's going to actually cut the life blood off of you. Whereas I believe that faith will actually deliberately choose to feed self-sacrifice. C.S. Lewis said that when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. And so it does feel counterintuitive. It does look counterintuitive. And I'm not saying don't look after your family, don't keep yourself alive. I'm not suggesting any of that. I'm just saying that that there's something different about someone who's allowing the creator of the universe who has paid an incredibly high price for us. When we are aware of how much he loves us and what he's done for us, our response to what's going on is going to be different. We're not going to be buying every toilet roll we can find. We're going to want other people to be able to go to the toilet. We're going to want other people to be able to use some bog roll. So I'm just saying, let's not grab everything. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Like it's totally weird. It's, it's so counterintuitive. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. By the way, I love that idea. I love that idea that, that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And it goes on to say that people curse those who hoard their grain, who hoard their toilet paper, who hoard their sanitizer, who, whatever. But they bless the one who sells in a time of need. So hey, if you're in a position where you've got stuff that people want, sell it, make a profit, but don't, don't, don't exploit people. You're, I actually think you're messing with God. So let's, let's make sure that we are stimulating generosity. And I believe that the greatest... Um, key to generosity is practicing gratitude. The more that we tell God what we are grateful for, so even if there's a whole bunch of stuff that we don't have, even if there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're not sure of, we don't know how it's going to work out, but we, are, but we are constantly thanking God for what He has done, it's amazing how gratitude, gratitude loves giving. You, you can't help it. When you're grateful for what, you, what you've received and you feel like you haven't earned it all and deserved it all, you can't help but want to 
share that. And my encouragement to you is that you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. It is in His nature, it is in His DNA to be generous, to be kind. But He is generous and kind to those that He can get it through, where, they, where their hands are, are open, they're loose. I remember many years ago when, when Sue and I were uh, praying through and, and talking through and considering adopting our oldest daughter, uh, there were unknowns, there were uncertainties. Uh, she was a teenager already. Uh, we didn't know what the future held in terms of, of, of education and, and costs and just, just various implications and not to mention even navigating uh, life, parenting a teenager. And um, I just kept sensing God encouraging us uh, with, with various scriptures, including some of those that we mentioned there, but even just this idea that if we will actually take care of what matters for eternity, and by the way, people matter for eternity. Everything else that we're looking at, it's temporary. If we will take care of what matters for eternity, He will take care of what matters that is temporary. And I can tell you that month in and month out, year in and year out, God has provided. Uh, when we've needed wisdom, He's given us wisdom. When, when we've needed grace and peace, He's given us grace and peace. When we've needed to be quiet and just persevere, He's given us that ability. And when we've needed Him to, to open doors and provide financially, I, I, I just cannot overemphasize how faithful God is. You cannot outgive God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, great scripture promises us that God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. During this time, you've got to ask yourself, am I feeding fear or am I feeding faith? And do I want to reap what I'm sowing? So if I'm going to be stingy, if I'm going to hold on to and, and hoard and I don't care about other people, are you sure that that's the harvest that you want to reap? I, in, in fact, and I'm just being very blunt with you, and I would never normally share like this, but, but even today, don't ask why we get paid on, it's a weird day, but we get paid on, on this particular day every month. And, and just out of sheer principle, because I wanna be so intentional about this right now, be, before any other payments, we paid our tithes. We, we paid over to another family that will help. We, we, are, we are committed to our personal monthly missions giving and our social justice giving. Uh, we have a lady that helps us once a month. We're very fortunate. I know that makes us privileged. We have someone that helps us, sorry, once a week in our home, but she comes from far away. We don't want her to sit uh, on public transport. Uh, coming from, from a very far part of, of Kailicha, she has young children. And so we asked her to rather take the day off. We're paying her. And I want to encourage you, please don't stop paying. If you, if you have people that work for you as casuals, maybe you're in a business where you, where you have some influence, some sway, as a church even, we have people that, that, that help us with car guarding and, and as casuals on Sundays. Um, we might not need them on Sundays. This is still food on their table. So I you are being generous and helping others, but you may even just discover that you're actually helping yourself as well. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a person of love. You can't help it. And if you're not loving others, then I would argue that you're not experiencing the love of God. And, and that's not to shame you. That's just to say, we may need to spend a bit more time asking God to do what only He can do in our hearts. So the second question is, what good can I do? The first question is, what good can come out of this? Question number two, if we're talking about generosity, 
the big question that I'd love for you to reflect on before you get into your next meal or conversation or whatever, I'd love for you to work through these three questions, these two to begin with. Number two being, what good can I do? I regularly have to ask myself, what does love look like? God, what does love look like in this situation? Especially when people are difficult, when people are high maintenance. God, what does love look like? What does generosity look like? What does an act of faith-filled kindness look like? So you need to be careful. You need to be wise. You need to take necessary precautions from a, from a physical point of view. But God, what does faithful kindness look like? Last uh, sort of big idea is number three. Fear looks for ways to escape our emotions. Whereas faith looks for habits that form our hearts. That's a bit of a long sentence. Let me say it one more time. Fear looks for ways to escape our emotions. And I've got to tell you that the first uh, couple of days, um, I was getting less sleep. <laughs> I was not getting exercise. I was drinking a lot more caffeine than I should. Uh, I, 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 had to, I had to adjust to a whole new world, a whole new environment, a whole new uh, normal for us. And, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, it's very easy for me to want to escape my emotions. Uh, there's certain feelings I don't want to feel, but, but that I, I don't want to just respond to feelings. Choices lead, feelings follow. And so I think that, that our reaction needs to be to actually form habits that form our hearts. We need to form habits that form our hearts. And if you weren't with us uh, the first few months of this year, we, we spent quite a bit of time just encouraging one another towards life-giving. And in I, some cases, I believe life-saving habits. Things like slowing down appropriately, uh, trying to declutter our lives and simplify it to where we focus on what matters most. I encouraged people tremendously towards prioritizing solitude, which is it's nothing weird. It's just focused, uninterrupted time with God where you can just be quiet. You can be with Him, read a, a short passage of Scripture, reflect on it. Um, and, and talk to him, that, that, that's solitude. Or maybe it's the idea of a, of a 24 hour Sabbath, a break, where you just accept that, that you're not God, he's in control, the world will keep revolving. In fact, even last night at nine o'clock, I had to message a bunch of people saying, okay guys, like I'm done for the day. I think God's got this. We have to get to a point where you can only meet so many times, you can only interact so much, but somewhere along the line, I've got to, I've got to come back to, in fact, in fact, those of you that have been working on your habits, I wanna encourage you to dial in and dial up into your habits. If you've been trying to create a habit of spending uh, you know, time in scripture before your screen in the morning, so where your phone remains on flight mode, so even if your Bible plan is, is on your version and, and on your phone, your phone remains on flight mode, I'm saying read scripture, before you take a look at anything else on your screen, before you open up to the news and, and, and all the stats and everything else that's going on. So maybe you've been doing that. I wanna encourage you to also do that at night where after you've put your phone to bed, after you've put your phone on flight mode, just read a short, a short passage of scripture. In fact, one that I was just meditating on this morning was in Psalm 92. In fact, it was the whole Psalm, but I love this one particular verse in uh, verse two. It says, it is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning your faithfulness in the evening. If ever there was a season where I would encourage you to spend time focusing on God in the morning and the evening, and if I were the right, I would have thrown in a little midday focus as well. It is now. Your habits form 
your heart, whatever we give our attention to, forms us. How you come out of the season and whether you can believe that right now or not, we're gonna come out on the other side of this. We are. How you come out of the season, I believe is gonna be directly determined by your habits. Make sure that you are dialing into life-giving habits, spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally. I would encourage you, if you're not in a life group, email the church, uh, Milneton at viewchurch.co.za. Let us try and get you into a life group. Next week, uh, when you are doing church at home, invite another friend or a couple or a friend, but, but let relationships be a priority. I wanna encourage you to dial into your habits. Your life does not rise to the level of your hopes. It drops to the level of your habits. I wish, I wish my hopes were enough. We actually need to make sure that we have the right habits in place that we can keep stimulating and closing the gap between our intentions and our actions. Last question that I'd love for you to consider. So these are the three questions that I'd love for you to discuss if you're with other people or just to reflect on yourself if you're watching this alone today, is what habit do I need to fight for? Because it is a fight. At least it is for me. There are times where I don't want to do it. There are times where I want to just, just drift and give in to whatever I feel like. But you're gonna have to fight for life-giving habits. What habit do you need to fight for? In conclusion, I believe that the greatest example of someone who went through a far greater crisis than you or I will ever go through, yet because he had the habits and because he had nurtured the relationship with God, was able to stay the course, is Jesus. The, the founder of our faith, the, the one on whom everything else is built. I love the way that the author of Hebrews describes this in kind of the second part of uh, verse one of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So right now you are needing endurance. That's why you need faith. You wouldn't need faith if it was gonna be over just like that. No, no, we need faith. We need endurance. But this is how we do it, everybody. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It goes on to say, I think, that because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now He is seated at the place of honor beside God, beside God's throne. What was the joy awaiting Him? Why, why was Jesus willing to go through what He went through? What was His joy? You may find this hard to believe, but the answer is you. It's me. He was willing to suffer, to be separated from His Father for the time of His crucifixion and, and death. And the reason for that, the, the joy, the, the motivation. So, so you talk about faith that chooses and fights for generosity. The reason why He gave is because of how much He loves you. I'm just, I'm just saying, who else do I wanna trust in a season of crisis? Who else do I wanna surrender my heart to? Who else do I wanna follow? Nobody else has offered, nobody else is lining up.
to lay their life down for me. He was willing to endure. He was willing to choose faith. By the way, the reason that he could do that was because he had nurtured habits during his time on earth. If you read the first few books of the New Testament, you'll read again and again and again how often Jesus would wake up early before everyone else and he would go and spend time with the Father or how he would draw aside later in the evening and he would go spend time with the Father. He knew that he needed that intimacy with God. And I wanna encourage you that this relationship, I mean, this, this might even sound a little bit disrespectful to you. The same relationship that Jesus had with the Father, I believe it's available to you. We have to say yes to Jesus. There's something very conscious that we do as we actually choose to receive, to accept this forgiveness that He purchased for us at the cross. And even though it's free to us, it came at the most incredible cost. It cost Him everything. You talk about generous, it cost Him everything. And then He's made it available to us freely. We freely accept that forgiveness. And then I believe the second part of this is that we choose to follow. That's why even the series that we're doing is called Followers of Jesus. We're not just fans and we don't just believe and agree. No, no, we actually follow Him as our leader. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're just checking this out for the first time, maybe, maybe this is the first time you're, you're even watching something or interacting with someone over Jesus. My encouragement to you would just be to simply say, God, if you're real, Jesus, if this, if this is all real, would you, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you... Would you prompt me towards the next step? And I, and I encourage you to keep, keep coming back. Keep speaking to your friend or family member. But then there are others of you that are ready to make that decision. You're ready to surrender your life and say yes to Jesus. You're willing to accept that forgiveness, to be washed clean, to have your, your past removed from you and your future uh, kind of revealed as you take one step after another as you follow Jesus. If that's you, I wanna, I wanna encourage you to simply ask Jesus to come into your life, to, to reveal Himself to you, to lead you. Jesus, help me to follow you. And again, we're gonna give you some next steps as to, as to how you can maybe continue to grow in that relationship in a few moments. And then lastly, maybe you're in a relationship with God already. And it's been a bit of a challenge and this season has actually stretched you and has sifted you and maybe it's even made you question whether or not you really do believe what you thought you believed because maybe you feel like you're just as afraid as everybody else. I wanna encourage you to be kind to yourself and to accept God's grace and mercy and to ask Him to help you to recognize when you're feeding fear and how to feed faith. And I'd go back through those three questions, think about it seriously, respond to Him, and just keep getting back up one day at a time. I'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That you are gracious, you are kind. You are the kindest person that we will ever meet. God, thank you so much that we can only come to you because of what Jesus did, not because of anything that we did. And I pray that as we go into the rest of our week, regardless of who we're coming into contact with, God, I pray that you would help us to actually be reflectors of your hope. Help us to have faith. Help us to starve fear. Help us to live generous lives, big lives with soft hearts and open hands. God, would you help us to keep uh, forming and strengthening healthy life-giving habits that are gonna produce the fruit 
that you have destined for us. And Father, for people that are making a decision today to begin that relationship with you, I pray that you would invade their lives with a sense of your peace and your love and your mercy and your acceptance and your grace. May they know that you created them, that you planned them, that you thought about them. And that even though they can't make a brand new start, you're busy making a brand new end for them. Would you encourage them? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.